Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we got a really special guest. This is Scott Malcolm. He's a realtor here in Fort Wayne. We met him through EXP Realty. We're actually part of the same group. And uh, he's also a stakeholder in EXP and the Chevron group. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about how he's built his business and how he's designed his life uh, around real estate in a way that makes it a lot more enjoyable for him to spend time with his family, to to do the things that he values. So uh, we're going to be picking his brain, connecting with him, and learning everything that he has to teach us from his 30-plus years of experience. This is Scott Malcolm. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. You guys have been trying to get me on about three, four months now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been longer than that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I finally broke down and said, yes, I'll do it. So, Let's go. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. So we first met Scott because of EXP Realty, but we got to know him a lot better. Uh, we, I mean, I'd like to think that we didn't waste his time, but I feel like we <laughs> dragged him around yeah. to two different museums, uh, actually really cool buildings yeah. Here in Fort Wayne, Dakota and I are looking for an event space. We were thinking that maybe one of these was it. We started doing all the math on how much it was going to cost to fix them up. And although they are incredible buildings, one of them was 36,000 square feet. What really happened was we just ended up getting a lot of learnings and uh we got to know scott a lot better so yeah, thank you to an hour and a half just yeah. talking about things and, yeah, thank and you for stuff, yeah. for taking us around showing us yeah, those and i'm cool. i'm sorry we didn't end up buying either one of them no you guys are on a cool journey too i mean it's cool to watch you guys do what you do so that's pretty neat yeah but i now, learned stuff from you guys so that's what i say now now you're here and then we're yeah. going to provide a lot of value so it was all it was all meant to be it's all for the good there you go in full circle Yep. So, Scott, just sum up what you've learned in 30 years. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, oh, there's all kinds of things to think about in real estate, though. I used to say um, not too long ago that it's the coolest business to be in and it's also the worst business to be in. Mm -hmm. um, and the worst part of that was just because of the time frame that it takes up. Know how much time have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. How does it take to, to sell real estate? Um, we always talk about time versus money. You know, how mm -hmm. much time are you willing to exchange to get the money? Um, so that's always been the challenge for most real estate brokers. Um, you know, my career started it was 30 years ago as of May um, you know, with one company for 28 years and uh, managed for that company, which was, was a really cool experience. And I think that that management piece, um, you know, I think I did three different offices, two different offices mainly, and then one for a short period of time, maybe eight months. But, but it was a neat, a neat experience to work with a lot of different agents and watch a different situation that they get themselves into and then try to get themselves out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so... Like I was mentioning to you earlier, you got all your own experiences, mm -hmm. how you go about selling real estate, and then you take all of your agents when you're in an office, managing an office of 14 or 15 people, their experiences, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And then you try to get, you got to dig down into the deal with them because they're stuck somewhere and you got to, you got to drop everything you got going on, dig down into the deal, try to really get a hold of it and then try to say, here's some options that I can seek would help you. So by the time you get done with all this, you've got thousands of transactions in your head, thousands. And then you, I, like I was just mentioned to you guys, you, you watch the, the people work almost, not, not every night, but you work a lot of nights. I mean, mm -hmm. you do. The classic thing in real estate is that you work when they're not working. Yep. The public goes to work, most of them, eight to five, and then they come home, eat dinner, and, you know, get the kids fed, and then they want to go out and look at houses at seven mm -hmm. o'clock. Yep. You know, or 7.30, especially in the summertime. Um, and then the weekend comes, and they're not working. So, hey, let's go look at houses. Let's come over and take a look at my house to see what to do the, to list it. So watching everybody go through that process, and I went through it myself. I mean, I remember working 95-hour weeks when I first started. I remember doing almost every open house I could find in the first couple, three, four years of my real estate business to try to pick up clients. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so anyways, that, that watching that whole thing and watching people get burned out. I didn't get burned out to year seven. Maybe it was six, the sixth year I just hit a wall. Um, I, I really couldn't stand anything at that point. You know, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> because I was working almost every night. I mean, I was. I remember I came home one time and... The, and I hadn't been home for three weeks straight before nine o'clock at one period, and uh, you know I sold one point eight million or whatever it was that time, but it, it didn't matter because I wasn't around. Mm -hmm. um, my life was constantly working, and so you're chasing checks. It's yep. what you do. So I've learned over the years how to to morph that into something totally different now. Yep, so. I love it. So. Uh, what, what would you say are qualities of a good leader? Because obviously you went from being like a top producer, it sounds like, or like, you know, mm. still like maybe not even top producer, but doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I did average, I think, in terms of sales. I've always was helping people, but I was working on it. I was working, I remember, you know, when I first came on board, I was Rookie of the Year way back. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before, and we've tried several different CRMs, and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. 30 years ago, so um, I was the first one to get my, buy my own desk. Uh, there was a desk awesome. issue by the company that I worked for, and so I was the first one to want my own desk. Yep. And so then I got my own f first computer. Back when they had this thing called the World Wide Web started coming around. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a, got a computer in my office. I remember everybody going, what? And I got <laughs> lamps in my office, and I had a whole setup, and I was bringing clients into my office with a second monitor that I was catching on back then to, to uh, not go out and show 30 houses. Yeah. Let's just bring you into the office, and we'll look at all 30 on my monitor on the, on the computer screen that I have for you. I have my own, and then we would narrow it down to five or six, and then we'd go look at those. So I started working on trying to save time. Yep. Back then, so those were those were those were cool um, first time things that I've done way back in the years. To, that Got years it. Ago, but so how did you go from from that into being basically like your leadership role? And like, did you feel like you were automatically just like, okay, well now I'm in a you know a different position now I'm the leader, or did you feel like you're like, okay, I have to develop these qualities now, and like everything kind of shifted for you, like. Yeah, I think I think you you I, you know back in back if we want to go back to leadership qualities. I remember being on a you know ran track in high school and football, and I remember being on being told you're going to be a captain. Like okay, mm. I didn't okay cool. So and then I I ran track in college, and I was part of the captain on team there. And I think um, 
I had some pretty cool jobs before that. And then when I got to, to the real estate sector, I, I was encouraged to, to, to manage an office. And so I finally said yes, and we managed office. I guess it wasn't that I – I went by instinct, I guess, on that. Mm. You know, I was made to be a personnel director one time, too. They, You'd be a great personnel director. I'm going to offer you the job. And they, they offered me a bunch of money and a bunch of insurance and, like, and, and other things. And I thought, okay, I'll be a personnel director. Yep. You know, 80-some people in the plant. And I had to deal with that and 16 staff and – I didn't have any instructions. I just went in and did the instinct of getting to know people and see what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish and try to help them get there. Yep. And that's what I applied when I became manager in, in the real estate business was like get to know who they are, you know, find out what they're trying to accomplish, what do you want real estate to do for you, and let me see if I can help you get there. Mm. So, that's interesting. It sounds like you're kind of beginning with the end in mind, which yeah. is something that like Simon Sinek says about you know leadership. It's like figure out the why first, yeah. what it is that they want so that you can help them accomplish it, which I think is – is pretty key in any sales yeah. techniques too, you know, sales management, that sort of thing. It's how can you take someone else's vision and fit it inside of your vision so that you can grow with them instead right. of, you know, diverging. Yeah. I think that reminds me of, you know, when I'd have issues coming on, um, agent would get in trouble or get into a such a sticky situation. And then I would end up have to talk to the client. Um, that, that was something that I learned to, to, to come in beside them client was mad and they're, they're, they're going against my agent mm-hmm. they're saying how bad this or that is and I would always come around the side of them walk with them for a while and say hey I can see what you're seeing I can you know what is it that you're feeling I can feel what you're feeling mm-hmm. and I would walk with them for a while until I finally got them to feel like yeah I'm on your side mm-hmm. I'm with you I understand where you're coming from and then I would slowly turn back around and say okay here's some options that I can see we can do yep and then that would usually calm things down and then we would get off the cliff and then we would start to talk reasonably and Mm. get them to come back online with hey you know what we're okay we're going yep. down the right path here we can make it all work so but it's that piece of coming alongside with the agents that i used to co- coach with and same thing with issues same with your kids same with you know, spouses you try to come along beside them yep so what you're talking about first yeah what you're talking about is empathy so seek to understand first yeah that's something that i actually struggle with a lot so is mm-hmm. that something that you developed over time or did you feel like you always mm-hmm. had that quality yeah i don't know i think you work at it there's no doubt i think it, i we, become conscious that you need it that you need to feel it i think you know but i was always one that could watch a movie and, and start puckering and crying you know puckering up yeah like, you know mm-hmm. i was always kind of sensitive to that kind of stuff so I could feel other people's what they're feeling i could see it and i could feel it mm. so that that makes you have empathy right off the bat so. yeah how it's such a it seems like it's almost like it's contradictory things though which is interesting to me is like mm. it's empathy like i want to be there with you but then also like you you were able to Turn it around and be like, here's your problem. Because I'm so much like, I'm going to solve your problem. Let's stop freaking dwelling yeah. on what you're thinking about feeling. Yeah. Let's Here's the solution, you know, and that it's doesn't. It's to see. You can yeah. jump right on it. Yeah. Exactly. So how do you balance both yeah. of those, and how did you go I, into I that? I think it is. I think it is. It's, 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 it's personal growth. Started, you know, several years ago trying to, to grow as a human being, trying to get a, become a better human, better person on the earth. Um, and you start learning the things that, that, that are important to the human society, which is empathy. One of them is, is one to understand what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it comes from being in that position many times, you know, yes. instead of just keep throwing out, this is what you do, this is what you do. I remember they would come into my office and I would say, hey, the whole earth died. There's no one left. What would you do? What would you think through how you could, what the solutions would be to this issue that you're in, that you find yourself in? I can easily tell you, but I want you to think through options and think what it is that you would do. If there's no one left to ask and I wasn't here, no one was here, what would you do? Mm. Whatever you would decide, you'd have to go with, and then you would learn from that. Mm. So, so yeah, giving out the answers or just telling people what to do. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I still find myself wanting to do that, and probably do. But 
I really, I mean, the concept is let's let's find out what it is you're trying to feel. What you're what tell me what you're going through. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you up against? Yep, that's funny too because I feel like that's something that uh, I wanted to talk to Dakota about, but now we're just gonna do it on the podcast, <laughs> which is that. Uh, a lot of times Dakota and I want to tell people like, hey, this is like the solution to your problem instead of letting them get to their own answers. Yeah. And then the only real way to connect with people and help them get to their real answers is to actually connect with them, like to build rapport first, because without rapport, you know, like the first five minutes of a meeting might not be like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, it might be like, how's everybody doing? Like, how are we feeling? It's, you know, it's this day, you know, like yeah. small talk I type stuff. Older, you, I mean, I, I'm totally conscious that, that my time on the earth is limited. I'm, I am, I get it. I mean, I'm the one in the office comes in and open my blinds and, and I, and I tell the guys in the office, they forget to open their blinds and go back to work, you know, and I'm like, Hey, open the line, you, got sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you only got so many days of sunlight left, you know, before winter kicks in and open up for fresh air too. Come on. So, but there's limited time on the earth and there's limited time. So, I mean, trying to work on things that, that matter to you and that, are important to you, you know, that's what the personal growth piece is, you know, I'm always reading and, and um, trying to get better at what I, what, I guess that Jim Rohn always made, you know, be all you can be with what you've been given, you know, why not, why not give it a shot, you know, mm-hmm. let's try it and see what you can, see what you can do with yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're all, we're all mixtures of trying different things, but, you know, like one example I would say for other people, I don't have my phone with me. I never bring my phone into human. I made a decision in 2020, I think it was. I had COVID right away. As soon as COVID came in the country, I was, in three months I was down. Oh, snap. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not into Facebook very much, but I was bored sitting on the couch trying to sleep most time, and I was re- scrolling through, and I saw this guy talk about he had this phone in his hand, and he had there were thousands of people in the audience. And I thought, all right, clicked on the sound, and like he made an entire case for this phone. He went on and on and on about screen time and all the generation, what's happening. He didn't say it was bad or good. It wasn't like it's good or bad. But it, it, it takes away from human experiences mm. when you're with a human. So I remember listening to that whole thing for almost, I think it was 45 minutes. And I drew a line in the sand back then thinking, you know what? I am not going to take my phone in. What, if I'm with a human being, I'm going to be with a human being. Wow. I'm not going to take my phone. I don't want to go, my mind goes, oh, mm. I'm not doing it. So I don't have my phone in closings. I'm the only one that usually doesn't have a phone in the closings. Um, I don't have a phone here with me. It's in my car. If I show house, I don't have it unless I need it to get in the house. I do, but then I mm-hmm. try to take it in my pocket, <laughs> turn it off. Um, so I've I've gotten to that point where if I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. And that's a cool feeling. I do that with my clients. In all the consultations I have, I do not have my phone with them. All wow. my clients have their phones. Everybody's yeah. got phones. Yeah. I just don't. Wow. Same thing there. I have a limited amount of time yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm stuck in this limited amount of time. It's not that it's the end of the earth, end of time, but I think that's the one thing's precious, right? It keeps going 100%. away. I can't get it back. And I think as I've, I've watched myself age, mm. you start realizing, you know, I'm, I think my wife and I were at our place in Florida. Uh, it was August 2016, and we were getting up super early, drinking coffee, waiting for the, for the sun to come up and watch the dolphins, you know, come out. And it just hit me. I just thought, man, two-thirds of my life is gone. Mm. I got one-third left. And I thought, man, I got to draw a line. I got I to get serious about what am I, I going to do with this business? What do I want this business to do for me? You know, what in terms of retirement, I want to be able to have options maybe someday. Um, and I don't want to retire. That's the old term that they use, they, everyone uses, but it's just what's chapter two look like? Can yeah. I develop a chapter two mm-hmm. in my life? And so that was the day that I came back and I got a coach. I, the next, we flew back that next day. I paid for it. I had no idea I was going to pay for a coach. I didn't really care. 
Yep. Figured I'll put it on a car if I have to. I'm going to get a coach. So I got a coach, and you know, it took till three, two months to get that all set up. And then that's what changed everything, started going into personal growth and really wanting to get serious about trying to get a business model that I could use, that I could apply, that would take me where I want to go. The when concept was increase income, cut down debt. When was that? 16, 2016. Wow. August of 16. Wow. So, so I had a coach by January 1st. I was, I was second. I had a coach. I also had talked to a person to help me. I said, I can make money. You know, I can make the six figure, mm-hmm. but I don't know where it goes. Yeah. I'm one of those. And I yep. don't want to be one of those anymore. Yep. I'm done with it. I don't care. I lay my pride down and you just tell me what I need to do. And I don't care my age. So I said, that's, not, that's the only way I'm going to learn is lay my pride down and learn from everybody. So I had her person teach me little by little by little by little. She poured her heart into teaching me what to look for, how to look at it, and how to view money. And, and you know, I met Austin. Austin was in there doing some cool stuff. And so he took it to the next level of putting all these accounts together. And so my wife, uh, to this day, says that's one of the most awesome things we've ever been through. Wow. Is getting the control of the money. That's awesome. Learning how to control the flow when it comes in. At the same time, I was increasing my business and more money was coming in. So I was like, okay, I need to control this. Yep. And then yep. That, that took away the need to chase checks. Mm. So now, now Friday night comes along and you have dinner with two other couples and it's uh, somebody calls and says, hey, I want to see this $500,000 house, seven o'clock on Friday, $15,000 check or dinner with my wife. And we used to go chase the check and now I go dinner with my wife, awesome. Yep. I'm gonna pass, I'm, can we do it tomorrow? We can't, I'll get somebody else that can help you. Yep. So I've learned to, to, to not do that. Wow. So and there's more I can talk to about in that, that piece, but yeah, life has changed a lot in the time that I've been around trying to control my business <laughs> and personal life too. I was thinking about in terms of personal development, that's a value that Dakota and I definitely have. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much have you spent? I mean, Dakota and I did a few different things. How much have you spent Dakota so far on personal development this year? Uh, probably like 50. 50, 50K? Life, I've heard you talk before about that's really big. I've been in the six range in the past years. I think I've been to two. That's probably not true. It's probably you know, 20, yeah, probably five, six, seven. Lonely, but a lot of it's books, you know, and a mm-hmm. lot of it's really podcast, like what we're doing here. Yep. Um, a lot of reading. I mean, I think reading has turned out to be cool. I mean, the first time I started reading, I've been to grad school in architecture. And uh, so I, I got seven years of college on my belt. I'm one wow. year from a doctorate in some Oh, sense. my gosh. Um, four years undergrad business and then you know, three years of grad school in architecture. And, um, and then I haven't read. I didn't read. You know, I just I used to read a lot when you were doing all that work. But then you don't. After you get into real life, I stopped reading. And about, I don't know, probably seven years ago maybe, I thought, I'm going to start reading again. When I in August 16th, August in 2016, I thought, I'm going to. I got my first book and I read the first paragraph and I was, what did I just read? the first paragraph again okay guess what did i just read my mind wants to take mm. off and run and think and i remember just working at it working at it pretty soon i was able to get a page down and then i was able to get two pages down and then i was able and that's what stops most people from reading 100 mm-hmm. percent. just their mind can't stay focused long enough and that's also part of the screen situation that they teach you and stuff but that that, that guy talked about yep we're reprogramming the brain to go not stay yep well i love exactly what you said there actually uh it's very important because i always tell people that i hear that all the time well i don't read it because honestly i can't focus on it they always say that but asking yourself that question right there what did i just read i i told andrew our acquisitions guy he's 19 he keeps reading rich dad poor he's like i'm not getting anything said hey man what i want you to do is start writing down what you're getting from it and then he just gave me an entire like he just went bam 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 bam. i'm like "You, you didn't learn anything huh 
Look at all that stuff that you just told me, but whenever you question and you're actually writing it down, you're retaining more than what you think. But when you ask yourself that question, what I just read, that's going to be a different, different. Yeah. And I think it's, but don't give up. I think, I think I finally got to the point where I was doing a paragraph and a page, then it was page, many pages, and then it's now it's chapters. Yeah. And then you have to stop. Like, I, I got to go to bed. Yeah. Or I got to stop and do something else because it's been 45 minutes or an hour <laughs> and I got lost in the book and I keep, oh yeah, I got to go. Yep. So it's cool. And then, and I think when I look at the forefathers of our country and what they did, and every one of them had libraries. Mm -hmm. you know? Somebody had a great experience and somebody said, you know what, well, you probably ought to write that down in a book, share that experience with somebody. So then we get to have all these experiences from so many people. That's what we did with you. The head. Yeah, that's why I love it. So. Well, that, yeah. we uh, turned our car into a library, too. So when Dakota and I are driving, yeah, a lot yeah. of times we're listening to Audible and that sort of thing. We do have to use our phones in order to get the, <laughs> you know, get the no, book I, going. I, I've done it, too. That's <laughs> a lot of the stuff. Put the phone. Now i got a different car that I can just tell the car to find it. It finds it. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the moral just for the viewers, too, is like it's always worth it, especially if you put in the work to mm -hmm. buy the course, buy the book, uh, listen to the podcast, do the coaching, ultimately investing in yourself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to yield something eventually or immediately. Yeah, the, the reason that I feel a lot of people don't is very similar to what you said. I'm not going to retain it. And so a lot of times it's an insecurity in themselves mm -hmm. is I'm going to go buy this coaching and then I'm not going to do anything with the information. It's usually a, it's yeah. usually a fear-based thing of the reason that you don't. If you know, hey, I'm going to act on whatever I learn, you're probably going to buy it because like every time I've ever like I'm about to I just spent $20,000 on one day with Ed Milet. I'm flying down there in December one day $20,000 but I also know that I am the kind of person that is going to take what he's given yeah. me and I'm going to implement this for the rest of my entire yeah. life and so I'm going to magnify it so this $20,000 investment yeah. I'm confident that I'm going to act on it again as long as as long as I'm still alive to do so and if not then I'm dead in anyway so I think because you got a bigger why your why is pretty big my, mm. my why is big and I think people don't find what it is I heard that thing why what's your why I got it <laughs> when I first heard it years ago. And then after a while, it struck me that, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, I think I get it. And then I started to come up with my own why. And then pretty soon, like, you know what? Then there's pain there because I want to I want to get to here and I'm only here and I really need to get here. Mm. So there's some there's some motivation to buy the book, read the book, apply the book, get it, get it figured out, and keep seeking knowledge from everybody. Mm. You know, that's the other thing, too, that I think a lot of people don't. They have pride. Like, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. well, I'm willing to, I mean, people said, can you learn from 30-year-olds? Yeah. Definitely can, you know. It's cool. I can learn from everybody. And I think learning from the books and learn from the podcast, learning from the seminars, going everywhere. I travel now and, and go to places where I can listen to people talk and different opinions. And it's a really cool thing. I mean, that's a, it's a great journey. Not everybody wants to be on it, though. I noticed that. Yeah. Not everybody's motivated to get on these journeys. Yeah, let's talk about that, actually. You know, basically what you just talked about, there's a book called The Gap and the Gain. Have you read that? No, I have not. Okay, so that's a, that's a beautiful book. Um, and in the game yeah so what it talks about is exactly what you just talked about which is an interesting thing that a lot of uh um like high producers basically get and i want you to talk about your experience with high producers because we talked about it a little bit yeah. off camera but i want to hear your experience but basically what the the whole moral of the gap in the gain is that this is where your starting point is this is where your end point is where you want to be and let's just say you're right here what you're looking at is again the gap mm -hmm. where you're trying to be how far away you are and then once you get there then now the gap just moved and then it yeah. just continues to grow and yeah. so your gap is always moving especially for high producers yeah. from the outside looking in it looks really honorable because you're accomplishing a lot but you're always living in the gap that you're never actually getting what you want yeah. and so you just continue to go there um, and the gain is looking at 
man, like think about it five years ago, if you're where you're at right now, you'd have been like, you would have thought you would have made it then, but now the the gap kept moving. So basically just talks about looking back and being grateful for, um, you know, where you've come from and the person that you developed to from that. But I want to hear your experience with like these high producers and like, you know, what your experience and how you helped them. I think, I think my brain went to, once you reach a certain amount of sales or you reach a certain amount of income and you're, mm-hmm. you're there now, you've got to that point and you just open up the next door. It's like, okay, well, that's cool. So what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You start opening these, 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 you open these gaps back up and you want to, and I find that with a lot of top producers, they, they're, they're devouring things and they're getting to points and then they want to open that door and go more. And then they, then I've, I've, my experience has been with not, not everybody, but the, a lot of the larger producers that I was able to, manage or be a part of their production world, um, they get burned out. I mean, they reach a point where they're kind of fed up and they're, they're frustrated mm. um, or they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. And it comes in seasons. There's seasons to life and there's seasons <laughs> to your job. And, and so the seasons hit and they run hard and then they, 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 they're burned out. They're tired. They're done. Yeah. That's, um, but then but they, they often go ahead. That's hilarious because I, I literally wrote stages out here and I put stage one, hustle, stage two, make money, stage three, burnout and overwhelm, yeah. stage four, create boundaries and priorities. So yeah. how is your operation different from your friends and your competitors and what do you do coaching wise? How do you help people that are in that burnout and overwhelm stage? I mean, first I had to help myself. Mm. First thing I did was trying to figure out myself what I need to do. What I see what they were doing and, I, and they were... It's drifting through, not putting not putting systems in place. I think really becomes the issue. I'm a lot of agents. Why do they work evenings and why do they work weekends? They've all most not all. You can never say all, but a lot of them have bought into. That's the business I, I bought into. This is what we do as real estate brokers. It comes from for me. I could see it coming off. Uh, this is a term that I've used coming off the street. Everybody, I'd say they put up spider webs. They do a little bit of marketing here. They do some social media here, and they, they put together these plans, and they, they do all that. And then something hits the web, and then they run over and, and go for it, mm. see if they can put this deal together. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I don't know who they are, but they, they responded to something. They responded to me, and I go run after and get it and see if I can put it together. Um, that whole atmosphere of working what I call off the street, which is what everybody pretty much does or most people do, comes with that, that reactionary lifestyle, that, that scarcity mentality. It just does because if I don't take this call Friday night, we're going to go out to dinner, but now I got a half million dollar deal in front of me potentially. Um, they get used to chasing checks, and they get used to say, "If I don't take this, somebody else will." Mm-hmm. So I got to respond to this. I got to take it. And so that's what I've seen a lot of my my the bigger producer and agents. They would get burned out because they're 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 doing this all the time. The weekends come. There's people that have plans all weekend. You know, first time they have plans to do something with the family, do something else, and some call comes in off a sign. They want to see the house. That's your listing. You could double bob it. You know sides of it and all of a sudden then they want to see two more and then they want to see some on Sunday and you're, you you turned and pivoted and took care of this person and I think a lot of agents want to take care of people right we do yeah. we want to make sure that we're there for you we're right. going to take care of you can count on me I mean until I get burned out and I'm fed up with everything because I can't keep up with everything yep um, so I think everybody reaches that point and not everybody but a lot of people do mm-hmm. and I think what I've done is put in systems in place to I was starting to taste Referrals, because you've been in it long enough, you get referrals. They're happenstance referrals. I think everybody gets referrals. Most people, will, referrals will trick in, into your life. They yeah. will, just because you've been around and you've done a good job and people like you, and then they'll, they'll refer you. And then those people were much easier to work with. There was no doubt about it, because they already kind of had a little bit of trust. Mm-hmm. Somebody said that you should use Scott. 
then that trust was there. And then I could actually guide them a little easier. I liked how that felt versus somebody I met at the house that didn't show up and they wanted to see the house or they they just ignored me and go over in the corner and they start talking amongst themselves. They really don't want me involved in their conversation. I'm not an outsider. You know, that's what a lot of agents feel when they go to when they work off the street. Yep. So and they, and then the, the whole game becomes can I make how good are you at conversion? You know, can you once you get him at the house, can you convert him to be your client? And everybody feels they're good at that. I mean, I haven't heard anybody that says, no, I'm terrible at that. They all say, no, <laughs> I'm really good at it. Once I get him at the house, man, I'm good at it. I'm good at getting this converted. Like they, they work with me almost 99% of the time. You know, that we've had that forever, right? I mean, that's been when you got a floor call back in the day or you got a sign call, you would all we did that all the time. Mm-hmm. The buying of leads offers offers that. It says, hey, just here's a lead. Go out and just try to get at that moment when you see him in the house, you're looking at the house. Let's go ahead and try to get this thing, try to capture him. Yep. That is not what I do. What I've learned to do is work off this referral business. I've just, I started, I started looking at, geez, why would I do an open house and try to pick up a 50-50 shot from people I don't really know for two hours? It used to be three back in the day, now it's two. Or I could learn to call through my database and see if I can help anybody with painting, need floors you need roofing do you need anything i got contractors that can help you do anything in your house you want and then i just say you know do you know do you, keep in mind at work you probably got somebody thinking about buying or selling mm-hmm. or you know your friend your family too make sure you check your family and then your neighbors and make sure invite your church group and uh, just make sure that you're you keep an eye out there for them and they all they tend to like okay yeah cool so at any one given time, I've got people using my contractors. I know I've got four or five people right now with people doing different things with my contractors. They're not intending to sell themselves. That's not the, in, the idea. The idea is that they have, you know, four circles around the top of their head. Every time I meet somebody, it gets referred to me. So that is what I've started to foster, fostering this idea of working. At one point, you guys, I drew a line in the sand and said, I will not work off what I call the street. I will only work by referral. And then that, that's not always adhered to. That I mean, adhered <laughs> to by me, but that is not probably what most agents would say that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think because they still want to do the street stuff. Sure. But I would spend three hours calling through my database or two hours calling the database, and I do that consistently enough. I get warm leads that are already, they're already, uh, trust me. Yep. And then I do consultations. I would not do, if you got referred to me, I would not go out and show you how house at 7.30 on Friday night. I would say, look, the best way I can help you is to sit down with you and do a consultation with you to find out what you're trying to accomplish, what your time frames, have your house to sell, do you have been to a lender, all the things I need to know in order to help you. Mm-hmm. And then we put together a plan. Does that make sense? And they all go, yeah, yeah, okay, I guess so. You know, the market's moving fast. I'd like to see the house, but we can probably come over there before that. And that first meeting, I have to do it whenever they can kind of do it. But I try to still pinch it into the day. You know, can you get here at four four thirty? Well, I guess I have to get off work. So I get that consultation in there. That that is gold. Yep. I've learned that that is the golden rule of of real estate for me, is to get a ref- work the referral business, get the referrals to come in. The trust factor's here. After the consultation, trust factor goes to here, the trust yep. factor, and now I can lead. Mm. Once I can lead, I can influence. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad lead. It's a good lead. If you want to go buy a house or you want to go build a house or you want to sell a house, you've got how many times do you do it in a lifetime? Three, four, five, six maybe in a lifespan? Yeah. I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals under my belt. Yep. You want to go do that, let me lead you. Let me tell you the best way to go about that. Yep. Because I want you to refer me to everybody you know at friends and family and church and all the rest of stuff. So it's a whole, it's, a, it's an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. Yep. Therefore, I don't react to these, I don't get calls anymore. I haven't gotten calls for years now that, Scott, Dr. Name from John, I want to see this house on 730. My clients have all been trained for years now, four, five, six, seven years. And when they give referral to me, they don't just say, call guys. They say, hey, you know, he works during this day. He's been around for a long time, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And give him a call and set up a time to talk to him. 
So my calls all come in. Scott, I got your name from John. Hey, we're thinking about selling our house. And let me know some times that maybe we get together. I don't get the call. Hey, I'm going to buy a house. I saw one I really like, but if we get a time to talk about that, that's that's what I get. And then so yeah. I can be in Florida, you know, and I can get that call. I can call him back the next day if I'm out doing something I didn't, you know, get to it that day. I can call back the next day and just say, hey, got your call. I really appreciate John referring you. Hey, the best way I can help you is sit down with you for 45 minutes or so and find out what it is you're trying to accomplish and see what I can do to help you. Yep. What we're really trying to accomplish in there is also find out if, if it's going to be workable. It's going to be a good match. Yep. You know, first it's all about you, right? It's all about you. Tell me about your. Do you have a dog? Just the right deal with the agents. You got kids? How long you been in Fort Wayne? Get to know them. Connect heart to heart. And then from there, we'll talk about the market. We'll talk about the, the financing pieces of it, and we'll talk about how we're going to go about the process and what the time frames are. And then I then at the end, I tell them how I work, mm-hmm. and I make a really strong case. Well, why would we work during the day? We, why would we work in the evenings? And they all go, well, because that's when I'm off work. Okay, so do you get time off to go to, to a doctor's office? A doctor's appointment throughout the year somewhere? You, gotta, you take time off your work to go to see a doctor. You, how much you spend with them? And they say, well, you know, 300, 1,000. You get time off to go see a dentist? Yeah. How much you spend with them? Not that much. So what you're asking me to do is help you basically be in a, a, a guide to help you invest 300000 200000 in the market, and you want to squeeze us in after hours. Mm-hmm. Because this, at the end of the day, the, even, the, even the biological rhythm of your body starts to say, I'm getting tired, or I'm, I'm, I'm less effective at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 10 o'clock at night than I am during the day. Yeah. You want me to handle the biggest transaction of your life, pretty much, or one of the biggest transactions of your life, and the, and the top five most stressful things you're going to do yep. in the evening hours, when you're probably tired as well. Mm-hmm. So does it make sense to do that? like well no i guess not you know it doesn't make sense it is something that i take seriously and i need us to both take it seriously enough Mm -hmm. to deal with this during the business day if you're taking time out to see a doctor see an attorney for your dentist you certainly would want to take time out to invest two hundred thousand dollars in this real estate market yeah it's the way i feel about it so i mean how do you feel and then they all pretty much say well that makes sense Mm -hmm. i never thought of it that way so and then the other thing i use i'll use i'll use okay your husband and wife so he's gonna He's a real estate broker, and you're not, and he just became one, and he's gonna has to show has to home, show homes on Monday till 7:30. You're cool with that, and the kids, you, you and the kids are gonna eat dinner, but he'll be home at 7:30. That's cool. Tuesday night, he's got Sally put, called up, and she wants to see a couple homes too, so he'll be home about eight o'clock on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night, she the first one's back. She wants to look at two more she found, and then so Wednesday she can't come home either, and then Thursday he's doing somebody else got a new client came in, and then Saturday comes along, Friday he's home. It's great. Saturday comes along, and, and he's got two clients who want to see houses at 10 o'clock in the morning, 1 to 2 in the afternoon, and then Sunday's got an open house, and he wants to show a house after that. Now, Monday comes along, and he's not home until about 7 or 8. You cool. How many weeks, how many months would you say that that's good, that you would tolerate that behavior, and then turn that into months, and then turn it into years, and turn it into a career? It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my whole point to agents. It's not a healthy way to go about your business. Right. you got 95, I don't know what the number is for sure, but it's a large number that live that kind of life. Even your experienced agents that I, I've dealt with and I still deal with um, live that kind of life. I get texts. I go to bed. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm disciplined. I have a, a routine, and I go to bed around 9-ish, you know, it's 9, 9.30, but I'll read. That's just my routine. That's what my habit is. And I'll have texts from 9.40 and 9.50 and 10.05 and, you know, still having conversations, having counteroffers coming back to me because the agent, because the client got home after work, started thinking about real estate like they always do, and then pull the agent in because I have a question about this. And then the agent tries to pull me in mm. because that's when they all 
want to think about real estate. I train all my clients to think about real estate during business day. It's one of the largest transactions you're going to do in your life. It's a big deal. A lot of money involved here. The title companies go home at five. Attorneys go home at five, roughly. The survey companies go home at five. Everybody that handles our real estate transactions go home at five. Mm -hmm. We don't because we're scared to say no. And we work off of the scarcity mentality. I can't say no because if I say no, somebody else will get it. So I got to go do it versus learning to work off referral. We trust you and train all your clients over time. Pretty soon they come in, they're warm leads and they trust you already and you don't have to react. You can respond appropriately the next day or whatever it is that you need to do. You're not going to win them all, but you're going to win 99% of them. Mm -hmm. And then you just have a consultation. Next thing you know, you've got all the trust in the world and you can lead and you can influence. If you bring me, you get, you, agents bring me deals. I list more than I, than I do buyers. I can ask a few questions of you and I can tell how much you have influence over your client. And very few people have a lot of influence over their clients. Mm -hmm. They don't really know them that well. Mm -hmm. They got a call or they got the lead coming off the net and they're going, they're running and they're just trying to put a deal together. Yep. Just trying to get it closed. Try to get it put together and close it. I'm trying to build these long relationships that have all these bubbles around their heads that keep feeding me and feeding me and feeding me. Mm -hmm. So my living every year becomes whatever I get fed. That's what I make. I make whatever I get fed. Yep. And then that trust factor is super high. And then I live a life where I don't work nights. There's people that say, I can't do it. I said, well, you know what, then what time do you get off? I would say 5 o'clock. A lot of them are 5 o'clock or 5.30. Let's go ahead and go right from the house, right from the office, right to the house. 99% of them say, oh, we can work that out. So, you know, the wife will home, go home, get kids early, and get them in the car, and then psh, they'll meet me at 5.30 or quarter to 6, and we'll look at two home. And we're, I'm always home by 7 or 7.30. And I'm, I'm usually home normal time. But that's the given, the give. Yep. If I can't get them to do it during the day, take the day, time off. And I'll tell you one more thing before I'll be quiet here a second. But <laughs> I, I, I just remembered where I started with that. I, that year I reached burnout, year six or seven, I went down to some continuing education courses in Annapolis. And I, this guy got up and stood up, and he stood in front of a whole crowd. There was thousands of us at this thing. And he said, every one of you ruined, ruined your lives. Mm. And I thought, wow, what's it? Every one of you in this room have ruined your lives because you, you, you all work off a of scarcity mentality. You're all scared to say no to anybody because the next person will get them. It's doggy dog world, you know? I get my share of the pie before you get it. Mm. And that's what most agents live a life like. And so that's why they work nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. He started talking about you need to work off your sphere of influence. You need to, and don't take it lightly. Go deep with this. Go go dig down and get this referral business solid. And get it deep with relationships. You know, so it, 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 I came, he said, everybody's got a lunch. Most people have a lunch hour somewhere in their life they got to eat. Humans have to do that. <laughs> so he said, you know what? Ask them. If you want to see two houses at 730 on Friday night or Tuesday night or whatever it was, do you have a lunch hour? So I had a big client. I had just left to go down there for three days. And this guy was a 600, give or take, uh, client, 600,000. And I came back, and I thought, I'm going to try it. And I was sweating. I mean, I was scared. And he called up. He left a voicemail for me. Scott, 7.30. It was classic. 7.30 Thursday. I want to see these two homes. Called him back. And he I said, how did my seminar go? I said, great. And I said, I understand you want to see those two homes. Yeah, yeah. And they were 580 and 620. And I, I said, do you have a lunch hour? And he goes, do you have kids? This guy was, he was really sharp. So I, when I said, you know, do you, do you have a lunch hour? He goes, do you have kids? And I said, I do. He goes, I'll call you back. I thought, oh, man, I lost him. <laughs> I, I thought he's not calling back he's, he's going to move on maybe I don't know he's kind of a mixed notion on that he called back an hour and a half later he goes hey how about how about Thursday 3.30 I'll get off work we'll go look at those houses I got kids too we'll both be home by 5 mm. for dinner I said that'd be awesome and that's how he continued to go on the rest. so that gave my first little hope it's like hey I tried it with a pretty big client mm -hmm. and he bit he, was, he understood it so then I kept using that lunch hour thing for a while <laughs> until, I, until I it didn't work as, for everybody but 
But it eventually led me into realizing that I could get people to do things if I asked, you know, if I tried to explain. So now I live a life where I don't um, do, uh, weekends are limited, mm. and I'm always open in the morning. For those people that can't view it, this, this concept, I always say I'm open from 8, eight to noonish, you know, on, on Friday, Saturday morning if you need to do it. But our first order of business is not to do that. Our first order of business is to do it during the business week. Yep. Everybody gets the concept of that. Yep. So I'm living a life of not working many, I mean, I hardly work nights. I haven't worked nights for a long time. Uh, just have to work a little bit. And then weekends are very rare, other than when I, when I just have no other option, we have to go do it. So the bulk of my work is 8 to 5. And my income is higher than it's ever been. By far, I'm having the best year I've ever had. I'm actually the best year I've ever had. Wow. So it's really cool. And then and the other thing, too, I think you guys had adds is respect. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, most of my clients, you know, my age doesn't hurt. You know, I don't have gray hair now. It doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> when it does come down to where people say, well, what do you think we should offer, Scott? What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. What do you think we should do on the inspection? Mm-hmm. I'm always pitting it against the contract and making sure I get my uh, clients in a position where to their advantage if it needs to be. But So it gives you that respect. And so now I have a respectful business. I don't work hardly many evenings, and I, I don't work any evenings at all, and I don't work hardly any weekends, very little. And I have a really good business, and it's cool. And my wife and I can go to Florida. And we can. I, I've learned how to do pot, you know, do uh, Zoom from there. All my, all my consultations are Zoom calls. Yep. That I get people, hey, thanks, I'm down in Florida right now. How about we do Zoom call on Tuesday at 3 or I got Thursday at 4? Like, okay, yeah. And then we get on and I go through the same process I put them through if I'm sitting in front of them. And then I set up a search. They start sending them listings. I do have, you know, boots on the ground here that can show them. I've actually had them take a phone with them <laughs> and then put me on, on FaceTime yep. and I can, I'm, I'm analyzing the house. Yep. You know? Camera's pretty good, by the way. You can get on a washer <laughs> and dryer and put it back where you can't see. You can put the camera back there. Yep. And see if there's a gas line down there, electric. You know, which one is it? That's so awesome. The phones work pretty good. So, and then that keeps the trust going, and then usually I'm back in time to, to handle it personally. So it's cool. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. said yeah, you said a lot of good stuff there. Um, the biggest one that is obviously the overarching theme is lifestyle over money, which you've obviously created the lifestyle that you want to live, which I think that a lot of people don't think about so much. You know, they they say yes to every opportunity because realistically, are you missing out on money? Yeah. Potentially, I am, and uh, and there's a lot of opportunities. When you get to that level, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I mean, Tony and I are now in a position where opportunities are coming up like crazy. Everybody's like, "Oh, oh we want you to be a part of this. We want yeah. to be a part of this." No and are we saying no to money? Yes, guaranteed, hundred percent, we are. But is it? It's like you have to also yeah. like question what is the life that I want to live, which is a question that I think that everybody should really be asking themselves. I'm shocked at how many people don't. I think because they're just caught up in the chase. You have to understand how to handle money, though. So the better you are at handling money, mm-hmm. if you can't handle a dollar, you can't handle ten, you can't handle ten, you can't handle hundred, you can't handle thousand. Yeah, I get all that. Yep. And I think if you, once I learned when I went to that person and said, "Hey, I don't know what how to do this. I think I do, but obviously I don't." So, so show me. And so getting a control on money takes away the fear. You, you have backup money. You have reserve money. You have things that are going on. And I have. And I. It's not like I made tons more money than I ever made before. Just know how to handle it better. Mm-hmm. When you handle it better, it takes away that fear of having to need that check. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, honey, we need the money. That goes away, and you start to get control of your life. I think I've been to seminars, or not seminars, but conferences, and it is amazing. No one measures it, and it's not measurable, right? You can mm-hmm. measure production. Mm-hmm. That's easy, and that's what this industry boasts: is production. Mm-hmm. Nobody says, you know, what was your life like? And yeah. and the person would not answer. You have to go to the spouse. Mm. spouse is the one that would say what was the life like when he did 15 million mm. sometimes they can do it pretty smoothly but a lot of times you go to these places and you have events and the wives you'll hear them or the husbands the, the significant others 
you'll hear them complain about the amount of mm. time that they spend going off on the phone and running off on the vacation and handling things while they're gone and with the kids. And we went to Disney World and he's on the phone over there. And that's what happens because they don't have control of their clients. They don't have control of their life. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a very good point is like it's so not measurable and that's what we yeah. and a lot of times you know I think about it that's what it probably mostly comes down to is that it's a insecurity maybe of trying to prove yourself that oh, yeah. a worthiness because yeah I, I question that a lot it's like I had to be the top producer when I was in sure. when I was in sales I had to be number one like if I wasn't number one I felt like I failed and that was a it was more of an insecurity in myself than it was in general, yeah. so. That's well, the measuring stick that we put. Exactly. We give awards out at the end of the year for Puff Chefs Walk Across the Thing, I did 15 mil. Yep. I get it, I mean, it's a hard thing to do, it's a lot of work to, yeah. to produce those kind of numbers, um, but it, it, it is it is the one that the lifestyle is not measured, and, and how many hours did mm. you put in, and how many times did you not be able to get to the family things that counted? Because I think in the end, when at the end of the day, when you get all the way to the end, I, I think it's all the relationships that you could actually foster that meant something versus just transactions and money thrown through the bank. Mm -hmm. Really, those transactions. I mean, I've got people from all spectrums of life, and it's cool to hear these first-time buyers. And I'm giving them speeches about setting their 401ks up right now. <laughs> when you're my age, you'll be set, and you don't have to worry about things. And, and then I got people that just go into retirement. I got people that are, are at the end of retirement and going into handling their personal health. Mm -hmm. they, they've been retired for 22 years, and they're done. They got to go to. I can't stand in front of the stove anymore. I can't put on my socks anymore. I I, I got to yep. go get some help. So all these spectrums I learned from every one of those. And I give advice to the ones that I can give advice to. I learn from the other ones and try to prepare myself for what I'm going to be going through. And it's this, this pieces that you get from everybody. I think it's hard to get that when you just meet them at the house, you're in the contract, you close yeah. the deal, and you move on to the next one. Because yeah. there's more pile coming at you. You don't have time to go back and, hey, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we did put a barn out there. It was like, wow, cool. <laughs> so I think getting time to go back backwards and check on your clients and build the relationships feels really good. They say it does, and I've done it, and it is good. Yeah. And then I can control everything with these consultations. And it's just a smooth, cool, cool, cool life that I never thought I could get to. But I, but I, I wanted it bad enough that I kept looking for ways to get it done. And now it's, yeah, I've been living it now. So. Yeah, so what would you say is your best piece of advice for somebody who's living in that now? They're chasing the, the accolades. Yeah. They're chasing them. One. What, would you, what would your advice to them be? I mean, I, I think it's the one thing that no one wants to do. That I don't know if they'll ever do it. It's, 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 it's called database. Nobody, they don't spend a lot of time on it. They just, they just, well, I got a database. Well, I know, but you don't. I, mean, I know a lot of team leaders, you know, that, that we buy leads and we feed out to the team. And, and when you feed like that, it's just you don't have time to work on your database because you're, you're up running around chasing the ones in front of you all the time, coming down the path. And I used to do that not on the bike side of it, but I did it worth just trying to get stuff on the web and then chase it. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody came to me in 1995, I remember, and said, you need to build your database. I'm like, what the hell's a database? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, is everybody ever sold to? Like, oh. are, are you sure they didn't call it like a Rolodex or well, something like that? Yeah, the Rolodex. But I remember going back into the into the room where we had all of our files, and I remember looking for my handwriting. And this room was full all the way around. I, I go through the A's, like, oh, that's my handwriting. Oh, that's a client of mine. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and I went through all through the C's. It took me weekends, and I finally got everybody that I ever sold a house to that was still in the file cabinet, and I wrote them all down and I put them in a computer. Like, wow, this was new. Um, but I would say that I would say it's, we have a young guy that started that's working under me right now, and uh, he just had gotten married, and he had 300 people on his list. Mm. And he just came into our office and like, hey, we're going to start selling real estate. I'm like, there you go. There, this is your gold mine. This is the holy grail right here. You need to get into this database. And the first round is just call everybody up and tell them, hey, I'm in real estate now. I should let you know. 
simple message. And write a little note. Say, hey, I was in real estate. Let me know. Hey, here's my card. Do that. And you work your way. And first thing you got to do is go in and try to find the rest of the emails, find the phone numbers, spend some mo- weeks, not months, but weeks, digging digging around, asking for people. Do you know his number? Do you have his email? And you put that thing as solid as you can get that database. Mm. With emails, ad- home addresses, and phone numbers. And then start working your way through that by calls. And then following up with personal notes. And then working your way through and then get see if you can send them something once a month. I mean, just work that database up. It's cool, you guys. And very few people get here. They just don't. They just don't get here. I'm as, I've gone as far, and, and I started this when I very began. I, I have a conversation with you. I get off the phone with you. I'm going to go in, into your file, pull your name up, and I'm going to put the gist of our conversation in there. Mm-hmm. I've got now four or, five, four or five years of conversations in here. Wow. So when I call you, uh, I call you twice a year. So I'll call you in the spring, call you in the fall. When I do, I'll pull your name up, I'll pop down on these conversations, and I'll look at the threat, and then I'll look at the last point conversations, and there's a dog in there, this kid went to college in there. There's stuff in there now that I have that I can call up. So, so Sarah's what, a freshman now in college? Yep, yep, no, she's a sophomore. Okay, so how is she doing? Mm-hmm. And we get conversations like that yeah. versus being so cold. And, and these are, and that's multiple conversations like that over the whole year with multiple and 260-some people is all I got in my, 238 people in my database That's all I got. But they all feed me a really good living, and then they feed me people that they trust, that I trust. I always say, if you trust them, then I trust them. Don't give me mm-hmm. anybody you trust. You yeah. don't trust. Right. So that whole thing. But I would say working on a database and getting something to become robust, it becomes well-oiled, it becomes very fruitful, and you can get into a world that you can control, and it's trust, and it's, it's, it's respectful. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you feel like you actually are a true advisor in the sector of real estate to help people invest into the market. So I, I try to think of myself as, as that's the level I put myself at. Yep. You know, I usually dress up more um, when I have clients. I'll, I'll dress up. I do the old cashing thing. I put the suit on and not always a suit, but sport coat. And sometimes I wear a tie, not as much anymore. But <laughs> but I try to come in there as a professional. If I'm going to handle a $200,000 deal for you or 400 or whatever it is, um, I'm going to dress appropriately the way I think that somebody would, would do it. Yep. Your generation is cool with not doing that. Yeah. But I still do it anyway. Sure. And I've got, I do, I still get, I, I have the entire gambit. I got 21-year-olds, the 25s, 20s, all the age brackets still come to me. I mean, I'm sure somewhere they don't, but I mean, I've, I still, every, you can ask me any given month or any quarter of the year, I'll have the variety in there. Mm-hmm. I got from retirees all the way down. That's the brand awesome. new kids just starting out because mom, dad said, go to Scott. <laughs> that's so, awesome. so that's it's been worked over time so and then i got all these pieces it's pretty cool i, I wish i could i i want to start to share that with other agents and, and mm-hmm. let them mentor them on that concept of how we get this thing to work and it's not an overnight thing and that's that phone you know and then the screen and all the things that the brain goes yep that's hard to get somebody to, to come down and go hey this thing takes a couple of years to get going but once you get on it, it's the holy grail of real estate yep make a really good living it's respectful business and you don't spend a lot of nights and weekends doing it yep and people will work on your schedule because they trust you and they respect you yeah how could you not like that 100 percent. yeah there's gonna be a lot of uh probably a lot of real estate agents <laughs> are watching this so if they were interested in like getting mentored yeah. or anything like that like kind of learn more from me because obviously you know we're almost out of time actually we're gonna get some closing questions in the next couple okay, minutes sure, but sure. Yeah. um how would they get a hold of you or like what would that mentorship look like yeah, no, I think I think it's something that we I start with a conversation. We have several you know meetings and make sense kind of kind of consultations to see if it's something that they'd be willing to do. I think you're gonna, you're not going to let go of what you have going on. You're going to continue that. You're going to continue with your purchasing of leads. I get it. You know, it makes sense to. You, it's hard. It's like being addicted. I mean, you can't just stop the money flow. Right. So you got to 
but I can teach you how to, to start to integrate into the calendar time frames to start to look backwards and what we do, how we go about the, the backwards, the calling the people that you've just closed on and checking on them and offering them help. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, at the first round, you don't even talk about referrals. First round, you just see if you can help people. That's it. You're just, I'm the first lady calling back so she needs some leaves right because she had hip surgery. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> this is awesome. I was so fired up. I said, I got a guy for you. And he went out there the next two days later. And she's been doing it ever since. And she, I still check on her. And, yeah, he's doing a great job, Scott. I love everything. <laughs> she's never given me one, re- gave me one referral once. But that's okay because I, I helped a human being. 100%. And I felt really good about it. And so she needed help, and I was able to come through. Yep. And so, you know, we do that over and over and over and over and over, and pretty soon it starts to become fruitful. So, but I would say that that's, they would just call me, call my, call okay. me on my phone and they can look me up. Yep. You know, my email address is, say it or not. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's Scott Malcolm EXP at gmail.com. Yep. That's my first thing is to try to see if I can help some agents learn to live this kind of lifestyle. You know, here, and I'll say one, you know. I can, we'll have another podcast someday. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got more questions yeah, still. Go ahead. What what is your biggest struggle right now? Hmm. Wanting to spend more time in Florida, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but still still selling, still uh, still uh, engaged in what I can do. Um, that's not, that's my biggest struggle. I suppose that that's that's my biggest desire is to want mm. this lifestyle that I've created. Which I've we've been spending January and half of February. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And I've still, I remember I, I, last January, I think I was 700 and some thousand came through um, while I was there. So Wow. Yeah, I can keep the business flowing. So that's, I, that's probably the only thing that I, right now, and I, I love my, I love my, I'm bragging about my business. You know, that's what I, I don't complain about mine. I brag. <laughs> but I, what I've built over the last six, seven years. So pretty cool. Yeah, I would say the thing that I like the most about w- what you said and what you do is, I always thought about like whenever I was in sales, I was like, man, I'm writing down our conversation and stuff. Like that doesn't seem very intentional, but it's the most intentional thing. Yeah. And then again, like let's yeah. say that they don't send you a referral. I love what you said there because I'm trying to help our acquisitions guys yeah. see this. Dude, the worst case scenario is you helped another human being out. That's yeah. worst case. Yeah. If they never send you anybody, if they never, you had a connection with another human yep. and you got to help them. And to me, that doesn't seem that bad. I think people take that though the other way where I'm constantly wanting to be there at 7.30 on Friday night because Friday night, I want to help you. Mm. I know, but you also need to set boundaries in your life. If you don't, you'll just constantly meander across, the, like mm. you all do, everyone does. Yep. I watch it. So when I manage those offices, my big producers would come in and they would end up getting burned out. They would end up getting, the guys would get mad and the girls would have tears. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's behind the scenes now that when they get back out in the public, hey, they're rock and roll and ready to go. Yep. And I think some people you just can't convince. They, they like the cheetah, they, they like the chase. You know, they, they don't want to slow down. They love, they see something, they, they go after it, and they, they love it. So there's going to be some people just aren't going to go into this kind of system. Yeah. It's calm. Or it's, it's, or it's what they were taught. It's what they bought into, yeah. yeah. I know a lot of the spouses have bought into the same thing. Hey, that's what my husband or my wife or my significant other said, that that's what the wizards is. So you mm-hmm. had to accept it. Mm-hmm. I've learned that, no, you don't, you can carve it up. You can do it a different way. Yeah. You know, I'm one of the few... Now trying to reach out and go, hey, you guys want to check this out? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys want to go to Florida? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been on a boat talking to clients with my earbuds in in the Gulf of Mexico, sitting there floating along with the engine turned off and we're floating along the island. <laughs> That's and awesome. I'm having a full blow conversation. Yeah, they, they they don't care. They're, it's okay as long as I'm guiding them and I'm talking to what's going on. They're cool with it. That's awesome. Yeah. What uh, you talked a little about personal development. What book? Have you gifted more than any other, or what books do you think are absolutely necessary? Like top yeah. one, two. I've thought about this before because I know we we all we talk about this in, in this mm-hmm. group that we're all in, this personal growth group. Um, and I and I really do. I I've got the problem with I. I like a lot of them. I like a, a ton of different books. I'm, 
I, All right, top I ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> top one, even. I mean, there's so there's some some sophisticated ones. There's, I mean, the, I guess the one that I oh my gosh, what was it? Um, it was it's written a story form, and it's uh oh it's there the top the five the five the five regrets of the dying. That's what it's called. Mm. Bonnie Bonnie Weir. Mm. Five regrets of the dying. That that was a pretty eye opener. That was a lady who basically spent ten years of her life helping people pass. Wow. Um, so it's, it's palliative care. It's not the other um, when you call in someone to ease your pain. It's called something I can't think of it. But there's palliative care is the other piece to that, and she helped people pass. And it was and, and palliative care is expensive. So usually your top, a lot of your wealthier people can afford palliative care. So somebody just to be there with you when no one else is left. Mm. The kids have gone. They're whatever. They, this lady and it, it was it was telling people you love them. I mean just flat out say the words because in my generation we're all like yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, say it, you know. Um, Fist bump. Yeah, yeah, we're good. That means I love you, man. We're good. So it was, it was, it was uh, keeping uh, uh, friends, keeping your circle of friends. As you get older and older, your circle of friends get smaller and smaller and smaller because mm-hmm. you don't stay in touch as much. And some of them die. Yeah, they do. They my dad, my, away. my dad's your age, and some yeah. of his friends are dead yeah, because of all of the crazy stuff that oh, they yeah. used to do when they were younger. Are catching up. Yeah, but I mean, there was a, there was five of them in there, and it was just it was, it was a pretty good impact uh, on me as thinking that I needed to keep in touch with a lot of my my friends that I went to high school with, and mm. so I started making phone calls and started go, hey, you want to go lunch? Let's go lunch. Come on, it's on me. That's so awesome. I, I rekindled a lot of those relationships. So there was four. It was there's five all together. So that was one of the book that I think was really cool. It made you think about life a little bit more. Wow. Um, the, the other one I, I gave one of our agents, young agents. Um, um, oh, I don't a blank on that one too. No Excuses mm. by Brian Tracy. Okay. Yeah, it's a simple book, simple read, but he takes each category of life and he says, no excuse, why can't you? No excuses. There's no excuses. <laughs> and when you're done reading that, it's a fast read and you do. It's just straight up in your head. Just no excuses. You know, fear, no excuses. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so. That's awesome. It's cool. There's tons. I have a library at my home that I started years ago and I, and I brought all my books from college. I've towed them around for all these years. And so I got a whole case full and then I've got my little cases that I got with all my books I'm reading right now. So I'm always reading a book. So. No Excuses, one of Dakota's favorite songs, but it's by, you know, somebody different. Brian Tracy was the original <laughs> NF, you know? <laughs> yeah, there was a book on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, this is a, a final question we usually ask all of our guests. 38 years from now, you made it to 100, right? You're on your deathbed. Yep. You have a final message to the world. It's a sentence, a mantra, a paragraph. It's going to be a billboard in Times Square. It's your legacy to everybody who knew you. What's the message that you feel that the world needs? I, I will write to my dad. When he passed away. There's a whole story behind my dad. He was like the godfather of our family. He was a big guy. He was six foot two, I think, and he Jeez. white hair, and he was a big dude, and, and he was kind of like the godfather of our family. And uh, I, I remember I was feeding him. He was he was had a disease at the time, and his I was feeding him. My brother and I were shaving him and cleaning him. And, ch- and he was, I didn't know he was going to pass away in three days, but mm. I was feeding him Cheerios and he didn't want to eat Cheerios. And, but he, and we were down to that point where he didn't really want to eat any food anymore. And uh, I said, Dad, what are you most proud of? You know, you raised seven kids. I'm the bottom of seven kids, you know. And all of us are, you know, we love each other and there's, no, there's nobody weird in our family. It's all cool. And they've, we've all had other kids and kids and kids. I mean, we have Christmas sometimes back in the day, it'd be 50 some people in our house, you know, or mom, dad's house. And dad just said, Hey, it's, he thought it for a while and threw his oxygen mask, you know, he mumbles. I think it's all the people I could help along the way. That's really what made him feel. All the lives I could touch and the people I could help along the way is what really mattered to him. And it wasn't just the family, but it was all, he had employees. I mean, the stories were 
mom's sewing machine would not be there somehow. Dad asked her if he could give it to one of the employees because they didn't have a sewing machine back in the day. Or the mower, I wouldn't be able to find the mower. It's like, Dad gave it to one of the employees for the mower because they didn't have a mower. <laughs> so we won't buy another one. So it was just all people he could touch along the way. So that's what you just said. You know, you could touch a human being, you could help a human being. Um, but I don't want people to construe that, that, yeah, just go and work 95 hours and help everybody can help. You know, you yeah. got to have some constraints too. But, but that answers the question or not, I don't know. Yeah, so, that's perfect. Yeah, it's cool. That's what I'm trying to do, too, is help people get off this hamster wheel that everybody's rat racer all on, mm-hmm. slow it down, control it, get it where you can have a life and you can stick to the plans on the weekends and stick to your pa- family and your children's plans and still do really, really well. Yeah, you just actually made me think of uh, of something. So I had a, an interesting experience last couple of days. I had, like, I met this guy at uh, in line at Mocha Lounge. And yeah. um, I think he, uh, now looking back, I think he actually was searching people out. But... Um, Anyway, I found out the guy was actually a homeless guy um, and uh, and um, met him, had a great conversation with him for like 45 minutes. It felt like I was like supposed to be there. Like it felt like God mm-hmm. led me to talk to him. Then the next day he reached out to me and I, I, uh, I was like, man, I go back. I'll hang out with him because I also noticed when I was leaving, I felt like a pull to go pray with him and I did it for some reason. Yeah. And so I was like, man, this is very weird. Like, why am I not doing it? And I'm like, I need to turn around. Yeah. yeah. So. I went back the next day because he texted me and um, uh, he asked me basically to, to live with me. And, you know, oh, that's a bold move. Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, you talk about wanting wow. to help people, yeah. but then also having your boundaries. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you know, he's like, well, I see you doing very well in this area. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. you see one side. You have no idea what I'm going through mm-hmm. on a lot of other areas of my life. Yeah. And that would be overstepping my boundaries to where I can't actually fulfill what I'm trying to do and what God's purpose is for yeah. me. That but although right. I do want to help you. So basically, I just found a way to still help him. But again, set your own boundaries. Yeah. And if you think about that beforehand, what is my purpose? What can I do? And again, fill up your cup first, like with whatever that looks like, and then make sure you can still pour into others. Because that's what I always think about. It's not like self-love and I don't care about people. It's making sure that you set your own boundaries and have that and care for people as deeply and as loving as possible but still make sure that you're able to not burn out because if you burn out you're not helping anybody that's why you do personal growth is is you become better and better at at who you are Mm -hmm. better version of yourself all you know keeps constantly working on that yep that way you can help other people 100 that's what that's what that's all about we all got to grow so we can help others yep that's what we're trying to do so it's cool so helping each other is what really what you know on the end of the day it's helping each other yep help each other along the journeys Yep. You know, if you got something to share, share it. Hope a few people will listen. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Well, that's yeah. why we're glad that you came yeah. on. So, if people want to get a hold of you, that way you can help them. What would be the yeah. best way? Give out your email again and phone number if you my want. My phone number, yeah. It's, it's, my phone number is really the best. When I, if you're working close to me, text messaging me is the only people that are really close to me that are working with me. All my clients know that if you want to get a hold of Scott, you text me. Yep. Because that's the only people that show up on Texas. I don't have a lot of texts other than people who are working with me. So 260-705-6500. Yeah, I would love to sit down and, and talk to some some agents and older and newer and younger, whatever they are, and say, hey, there's a way of going about this. You don't have to react to everything. You can actually learn to respond to things in a controlled manner. Mm. And it's calm, it's respectful, it's good. I love it. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's that's awesome. that's going to give a lot of help in life in general, too. Yeah. Maybe not even just an agent. Just but think if we all were on this. If yeah. every one of us sold real estate like, out of our databases, out of our spheres, and so you wouldn't have somebody on a holiday weekend because, you know, putting out houses to list. Like, we all had plans to go somewhere on the holiday weekend, and now this lesson came up, and everybody <laughs> wants to go look at it, like, oh, man. Yep. So if we all did it, 
you know, we did like the commercial brokers did, where you work eight to five on Monday through Friday, which is what they do. Um, I know that that's impossible because you're not going to get everybody to get off the scarcity mentality. Yep. So it is what it is. But but I, the few that want to go down the path, it'd be cool to talk to. Hundred so, percent. Yeah. Cool. Are there any final thoughts you want to share with our viewers? No, I think that's it. That's that's the concept. I think we covered everything pretty good. I got other thoughts in other areas, but we'll. <laughs> Working out like we all do and all the kind of things we do. And so save it for next time. Yeah, we'll do another one someday. Love it. Well, thanks cool. again for coming on, yep, man. We appreciate you. And we appreciate you guys for watching. See you on the next one. <laughs> Peace.